In this episode of Desert Island Torah, we have the Zuchut of speaking to Rav Michael Honig. Rav Honig is the Mashkiach Ruchami at Torah Academy of Bergen County, where he focuses on the spiritual and emotional welfare of the students, and he also teaches a dynamic Gemara Shir. He has previously worked for NCSY as the Educational Director for the Jerusalem Journey Ambassadors. He studied for a year and a half at Yeshivat Mevaseret Sion and received a BA in Economics from Queen's College and Samicha from YU and an MA in Jewish Education from Azraeli Graduate School of Jewish Education. Thank you so much, Rav Hoenig, for joining us today. It's a real zuchut to have you with us. Thank you so much for having me. Really great to be here. So it's Desert Island Torah. Three pieces of Torah that you would take to a desert island. What do they mean to you? Why are they so important to you? Really looking forward to finding out and learning with you. So if we jump right in, should we go with your first piece? All right, let's do it. First piece comes from the Gemara Tainis. An incredible story, uh, really insightful. Rav Baroka was a Rebbe, and Eliyahu Anav used to visit him in the Shuk, in the marketplace. And one time Eliyahu comes and tells him, there are two people here that are destined for the world to come. So clearly, Rav Baroka gets very interested and intrigued. He goes up to them. Amarlu, he says to them, what do you do? He's so interested. He wants to know, why are you worthy of going to the world to come? What's so special? What do you do? Amrule, give a fascinating answer. We're comedians. We're comedians. We cheer up people who are sad, who are downtrodden, who are depressed. Inami, what else do we do? So we see two people who are fighting in a quarrel and dispute. We work really hard to make peace between them. Gavaldic, beautiful story. That is my first source that I take on this desert island. What does it mean to you? Why is it so important to you? Because it's so important, because I think we live, unfortunately, many of us, we get stuck in our own world. We get stuck. We live in our own Dalad Amos. We get very self-consumed. Unfortunately, we tend to lead, lead egocentric lives. And what's this telling us, which is so powerful, is what makes you worthy of the world to come? What makes you so special? When you go out and make people happy. That's what makes you worthy of the world to come. That's what makes you supreme and special and incredible and an uplifted, dignified life. When you go and make people happy, that's worthy of the world to come. And I think that's such an incredible goal to live by and to strive towards, to always look, how could I make this person happy? How could I brighten his or her day? What could I do to lift up their spirits? I'm not only thinking about myself, I'm thinking about others. HaKadosh Baruch Hu's children. How could I help them in any way possible? And additionally, what made them worthy? They always tried to make peace. They tried to make peace. They used their talents to make peace. We sometimes also live in a very hostile, polarized world. Me versus you, us versus them. It's all about who has the upper hand. What makes you worthy of the world to come? When you try to bring peace. Oev Shalom or Dave Shalom. When you love peace and they use their skills to bring peace. And these qualities are clearly showing us, Chazal, their infinite wisdom, somebody worthy of the world to come. Absolutely. Absolutely. So how do you think we can do that? How do you think we can make the world a better place? I think it's a great question. I think some of us might have lofty goals, and that's always beautiful. 
but it's day to day. It's day to day. We all have many, many people in our lives that we could uplift their spirits. People we know that perhaps could be lonely, need our love, need our support. They're always right in front of our eyes. The opportunities are endless. It's never about, oh, what am I supposed to do? If we have the heart and the motivation, we can always make people happy. A bright smile could lift someone's day. Asking them how they're doing, but listening to their answer, not looking down on our phone, actually saying, how are you? How is your Shabbos? How's your life? How's it going? Really sitting down, giving them our heart and soul, it lifts people up. If we see people are unfortunately in machlokas, to try our best, try our best to facilitate peace. It's not always easy, and it could be challenging and sticky, but to try, try to bring peace. Of course, we can't do a million things all the time. But those small day-to-day moments, smiling, lifting people up, bringing peace, as we see here, that makes us worthy of the world to come, and we elevate the world around us every single time. Absolutely. I think it's also really powerful in the context of Torah. Um, the Gemara in Sanhedrin, I think Zion, Ahmed Aleph, it says how like after 120 years, we're going to have a conversation with the Kaddish Baruch Hu, analyzing our lives. And the first question he'll ask us is about our commitments to Talmud Torah. And the Mishnah says, Talmud Torah, Kenege Kulam. And maybe he'll ask about Torah first because it's the most important mitzvah and equivalent to all other mitzvah. And I think in a, a way that we can make people happy, perhaps, is through sharing Torah and through, you know, bringing Torah into this world in so many different, you know, ways, whether it's through learning, whether it's through chesed, whether it's through, you know, all the different things that you mentioned. And yeah, I think it's a really great and powerful message. Absolutely. Yes. And that is Torah taking the principles of Torah and just building, lighting people up and every, everybody in sight, everybody in sight. I just can't stress that enough. It's, oh, there are endless opportunities to brighten somebody's day and bring Simcha to them. We just have to be willing and eager to do so. Absolutely. So should we go into your second piece? Let's do it. Excited. So the second piece comes from the Ramban, Nachmanides, the great uh, medieval scholar, the great, great uh, Talmud Chacham, the Kabbalist, the physician, one of our Jewish heroes, one of our Jewish heroes, the Rambah Nachmanides. And it's his commentary on the opening of Parshas Kedoshim. Beautiful Ramban. The Torah tells us, Kedoshim to you, you should be holy. And that's definitely a phrase commonly uh, used today. A holy Jew, a holy soul, holy brother, holy sister, got to be holy. What does it mean? What does it mean to be holy? This is the charge that HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Avinu gave us. This is our mandate. This is our divine mission. How do we do it? And the Ramban says very beautifully. I'm reading inside. How do we do it? The Torah warned us against forbidden sexual relationships and forbidden foods. Certain things are off limits. Asur. However, Torah, Hashem allows us for a man to be with his wife, to eat certain meat and wine. True. So the things that are off limits and things that are permissible. So what could happen? People could always find an avenue, could scheme. The person with a lot of passions and desires, he could find room to be with his wife or his many wives many, many times excessively. And to be among those who guzzle wine, who have many, many gorge meat for themselves. He has the opportunity to say, the steak's kosher, glak kosher, best shchita. Just pile it on. 
the wine, best hashkacha possible, and have 10 cups of wine. But what could happen? What could happen? I'm going to jump a line. The end novel brushes Torah. What is this person? He becomes this vile, degenerate person, all within the framework of Torah, all within what's permissible in Torah. But he's novel. He's degenerate. He's vile. And that's what the Ramban is telling us. What does it mean to be a kadosh? To live with moderation, to live with self-control, to have balance, to be in control of yourself. We could always say, I, it's kosher. I could do this. I could do that and justify. But that's not kadusha. That's not what a Kodesh Baruch who demands and expects from his holy nation. Kedusha means, says the Ramban, is that I'm in control. I have a guf and neshama, and my neshama is calling the shots. And I'm somebody that can live with peace, tranquility, and I don't need to stuff myself, indulge myself, and satisfy every single whim. I'm somebody that is in control. And Kedusha emanates and stems from this incredible ability to live a life of self-control. Absolutely. So why would you pick this to take with you? What does it mean so to you? So I love, thank you, I love, I love this Ramban. I, I read it all day. We can photocopy it, put it in our, uh, wherever we go. It's beautiful. The reason I love it and is similar to the first idea. Always believe it's the Torah Chaim. It's the book of life. The Torah should guide us, should show us the way to be. It's not just a rule book. It's not a history book. It's our living Torah. It's our guideline. It's our compass. It's our anchor for life. And we have to look around and see what's happening in society, which steeps into how we act, and see how does the Torah want us to act. So what do we do when we look around? We live in a society that many times says, what? Indulge, indulge, indulge. Every single ad is indulge, buy this, get the newest thing, the newest upgrade, more, more, more. Now betting has become legal, online betting. Almost every commercial is, how could you get more out of your online betting? Every play it used to be just maybe a game. You could bet on every play. Everything is action. Now, me, 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 consumerism, indulge, go, go, go. The Ramban saying, telling us, slow down. You want to be kadosh. You want to be holy. Have self-control. Live moderation. Live in moderation. Be balanced. Don't just run and grab everything that your eye desires. Because if you want to be kadosh and have a connection to Hashem, you have boundaries. You have gvulot. You have principles. We don't just grab and reach and take anything we want. We have kadusha. And you just asked, why this? Because I think this, honestly, impacts all areas of life. Can I, give, can I demonstrate a few examples? Go for it. Okay, thank you. <laughs> a few examples. Fighting. Fighting. There's a great Gemara in Chulim that says, the world exists on account of somebody who muzzles himself at the time of a fight and refrains from reacting. Wow. The world exists if you're able to hold back and not just lash out, fight, kill, kill, kill. That's Kadoshim to you. I'm in control. I have self-control, moderation. We hear juicy gossip, tip of our tongue. All we want to do is share it. Oh, it's gavaldic, it's juicy. We want to tell what's in. I live a life of self-control. I'm going to think before I now try to ruin someone's life and reputation and create ripples in the community and create a lot of darkness in the world. I have self-control. Shlomo Melch tells us, death and life in the tongue, or in the hands of the tongue. Before I speak, 
I can have self-control. I could realize what I'm about to say could be a death sentence, crush their soul, or give them life, give them a reason to live, give them a reason to keep going. And this idea of the Ramban is just an overarching principle. All areas of our lives forces us, shows us, slow down, have self-control before you say something, before you act on something. And if we do that, our lives are much more complete, much more fulfilled. We brighten other people's days. We make a Kiddush Hashem daily. And that, again, is a way of bringing a beautiful, beautiful harmony and peace to the world. Absolutely. Such a fundamental message. The whole notion of like making the world a better place, absolutely. Um, we learn from Rav Soloveitchik, like in Halakhic Man, that holiness is created by man, flesh and blood. Like ultimately nothing is sacred until we make it sacred. And we have to, you know, partner with Hashem and bring everything into society. Like Hashem created a neutral world with raw materials, which were to be made holy by us, really. Um, and I think it's important to understand that holiness really comes from what we do in this world when we partner with Hashem. Um, and we should also bring Hashem into the reality of this world and all our experiences. That's beautiful. Yeah, that's beautiful. Absolutely. We're the junior partners in creation. I love that. Nasa Adam. That's beautiful. Thank you. Yeah, that's, that's very like nice. My mission statement. Is the Nasa Adam? If I could have a mission statement, it would be that we partner with Hashem to make the world a better place in that we have a physical world and a spiritual world. A bit like a bit like learning man of faith. Beautiful. That's deep. Thank you. That is a beautiful idea. If we if we have that mentality, it changes us. You know, if we live with that God consciousness and that we want to partner with Hashem, we have a reason to live. We live fulfilling. It's a beautiful idea. Thank you. Absolutely. So should we go into your third piece? Oh my, I don't want this to end. But yes, we could go to the third piece. <laughs> We're just getting what about four now? Okay, just three. Just three for today. Um, go into number three. Yes. So number three is going to be a Gemara, which I'll say outside. And then the third source will be the commentary on the Gemara. So this comes from a well-known story, the Gemara of Zara. A very, a very strong story of Rabbi Lezer ben Durdoya. Rabbi Lezer ben Durdoya, this is, comes from the Gemara of Zara, Yud Zayin Amon Aleph, was a person steeped, steeped in immorality. He had many passions, many lusts, unfortunately, not your ideal citizen role model, to say the least. And he would sleep around, very vile, vile, disgusting person. He once hear about the, he hears about this very, very expensive harlot, prostitute, seven, very far away, gathers all his money, travels a very, very far away to be with her. He risks his life, he takes all his money to be with her. And he's with this woman, and he's about to be with her, and she says, just like this air cannot return to its place of origin, as she's speaking, they are going to not receive a lezer ben Durdoya in tshuva. Just like I talked, I breathed, and that air is never coming back, you're never coming back. Unlikely place of inspiration, but this is what she offers to him, this musr. And a light bulb goes off, and Rabbi Lezer ben Durdoya goes wild. He starts panicking. He's shaking in his boots. And he goes to the mountains and hills and says, Davin for me, pray for me. They say, nothing doing. To the heavens and earth, they say, he says, pray for me, pray for me. They say, nothing doing. Goes to the sun and the moon, pray for me, pray for me. They say, nothing doing. The stars and constellations, pray for me, pray for me. They say, nothing doing. He realized that nobody's going to help him. Nobody's going to assist him. And he says these famous words. Ain't a dove or 
The matter depends solely on me. He puts his head between his knees. He cries until his soul departs from his body. A heavenly voice goes out, says, Rabbi Lezra you are ready for the world to come. Fascinating story. We could spend the whole desert island on this story. It's Gavaldic. But I'm going to do a commentary and on this story. Beautiful story. On that word, Eina Davar Elabi. Commentary comes from the Sifte Chaim. And this is Rav Chaim Freelander. He was the Mashkiach Ruchanin, the Panovich Yeshiva in B'nai Brak. He was a Talmud of Rav Dessler. And the Sifte Chaim has a lot of beautiful uh, thoughts on Hashkafa, Amuna, Bitachon, Midos. It's really all-encompassing Sfarim. And this is what he writes on those lines. When a person is not being successful in spiritual realm, and they're not being matzliach, they start to make excuses. If I only had a good friend, chavrusa tova, good chavrusa, shachain tova, good neighbor, haiti lo made tov yoter, I'd be able to learn better. If this, if that, if that, if this fell into place, then I'd be fine. But in reality, these are just excuses. This mindset is very dangerous. Because what happens, it precludes the ability for self-change. Because this person erroneously thinks that his spiritual state he thinks his spiritual state is dependent on things out of his control. He can't control it. They're external factors. But the truth is, of course, that's an excuse. That's an excuse. He thinks, if only this, if only that, my spiritual success is completely dependent on external factors. Nothing to do with me. But of course, that person is going to stay in the mud. So when does a person grow? When does a true salvation come for a person? When you come to the recognition, when a person can come to the realization, it only depends on me. Then he realizes everything he said was just an excuse. And in front of Hashem, you can't make these excuses. Rav Chaim Freelander, the great Mashkiach, is telling us so beautifully. We make so many excuses. If this, if that, and then we get stuck, and then it gets convenient, and then we can just brush everything off. When do we grow? If and only if we can put a mirror to our faces and say, I need to grow. I need to make adjustments. I need to make changes. I need to put in the work. I need to be invested. It's so easy to shift the blame. It's so convenient. But I grow is when I take life by the horns and I say, I'm going to do it. I'm going to take personal responsibility and accountability for my actions. And that's what we will learn from our Lezer Ben Durdoya, Eina Davertolia Elabi. Absolutely. Achrayot's responsibility is super important. Um, why does this mean so much to you in the context of the podcast? In the, in the context of what, of what report cards? Of the podcast. Oh, they said report cards because, you know, I'm a teacher. I'm like, this comes out all the time in a report card. I think that was a, uh, you're right. Report cards is a good symptom of this, of this uh, thing. But what it means to me, I'm like, you're very sharp. What it, what it means to me is, is that idea, if we look around, is it's always easy to shift blame. 
see it automatically with Adam and Chava and the Nachash, ready from the beginning of time. It's so convenient. It's not me. It's my teacher. It's my parents. It's my friends. It's my shul. It's my camp. It was my counselor. It was the division head. Fill in the blank. Everybody has what they want to say. But true growth only happens when we're honest with ourselves, when we can internalize our shortcomings and internalize our strengths as well and are able to say, I know what I need to work on. I'm dedicated to it. I'm committed to it. And I'll push forward. Because as long as we keep making excuses and claims, we'll always stay below par. We'll never reach the potential. We'll never be able to be the best version of ourselves. And we see it in society. It all comes back to society. This uh, desert island has brought me you know, all about society. Again, so easy to shift blame. We rarely see people taking accountability and responsibility because it's easy not to. It takes work. It's harder to do it. But if we're brave enough and we have the fortitude to do it, that's what real leadership and that's where real growth comes from. Absolutely. So important and really inspiring. So thank you so much for coming on today and sharing such incredible Torah with us. Absolutely. It was great. It was really, really an honor to be here. I really love this. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to Desert Island Torah. Feel free to share our podcast with family and friends so that we can reach out to Amisrael. And if you enjoyed that episode, please feel free to download and subscribe. And if you want to discuss your own Desert Island Torah, get in touch at desertislandtorah at gmail.com. Thank you again for listening. Thank you.